Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, where we discuss all things mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. To get more information and resources, visit the website at therapyforblackgirls.com. And while I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 29 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. Today, I have an incredible conversation for you all about Black women's sexuality. Today, I am joined by Courtney Watson. Courtney is a licensed marriage and family therapist in the San Francisco Bay Area, offering in-person and online therapy to all California residents. Courtney received her master's in marriage and family therapy from the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, her master's of education in human sexuality from Widener University, and is in her final stages of her Ph.D. in human sexuality at Widener University. Courtney has been working in the sexuality field for over a decade and has a special interest in black women and femme sexuality, sexual resilience, and sexual exploration. Courtney also provides sexuality consultation to fellow psychotherapists and organizations looking to create a safe and healing environment for clients and employees. In addition to her sexuality work, Courtney offers more general, individual, and couples therapy in her private practice. In today's conversation, Courtney and I chatted about a variety of things. We talked about the impact that respectability politics has on Black women's sexuality. We also talked about ways to reclaim your sexual self and ways to find like-minded people who might be in your sexual community. So thank you so much for being with me today, Courtney. Thank you for having me. So I'm excited to have our chat. Um, so Courtney and I actually began a discussion because she is a member of the Thrive Tribe. So that's our Facebook group for the Therapy for Black Girls podcast community. Um, and we were having some conversations around, I think, relationships or sexuality. Um, and she sent me a message saying, hey, I'd like to come on the podcast to talk more about some of these topics to make sure we have um, like the correct, appropriate information in our community around like sexuality and stuff. Um, so I'm very excited that she is joining us today. So Courtney, we um, talked about sharing more information about like how respectability politics impacts our sexuality as Black women. So can you give our listeners um, like just a basic rundown of what respectability politics is and how that interacts with our sexuality? Yeah, so uh, respectability politics is attempts by marginalized groups to police their own members and ensure their social values don't challenge mainstream values. So what that means for us as black women, specifically related to sexuality, is black folks or black women um, saying, hey, you can't do this or you shouldn't do this or this isn't right or this isn't good. Um, that's what that term policing means. Um, and doing that in terms in regards to sexuality. So you shouldn't wear that. You shouldn't be doing that. That's not a behavior you should be doing. That's not a, um, a, a form of sexual expression you should be able to do. Um, and this was a term that was coined by Evelyn Brooks Higginsbotham um, in her book, Righteous Discontent, The Women's Movement in the Black Baptist Church. And she published that in 1993. 
And where does some of this come from? Where do you think like some of this really came from in our community? You know, it's kind of hard to pinpoint just thinking historically when it started, right? I, you know, I firmly believe that this is like a survival tactic. It's what we did to survive unsurvival circumstances. Um, and so, you know, maybe it started, there could have been incidents of like policing or trying to manage, you know, as we're crossing the transatlantic slave trade, or there could have been some, uh, development of like how we can combat this thing when you know folks were in prison cells um when they were enslaved people were going to be taken to the americas or to um the europe you know but i definitely know that for sure the plantation is a place is specifically for us here in the united states the plantation was a place where we said, okay, here's a really unsurvivable situation specifically for black women in terms of like possibility of rape um, and torture. Like how can we protect ourselves? How can we protect our children? How can we protect the people that we love? And one way that we can do that is by saying, okay, here are the things that this society says is ideal. Here's the things that this society says we should be doing. So we have to do this. We have to distance ourselves from the folks that this dominating oppressive society says are problematic. And so these are the things problematic people do. These are the things that the dominating oppressive society, AKA slave owners, um, uh, do. And so this is what we're going to do in order to try and stay safe. And we're going to make sure that other people in my family do this too, so that they can stay safe. Yeah. And I think you bring up an interesting point around um, the survivability piece, um, because I do, I agree with you that a lot of this really was like, okay, let's just try to stay alive. And so, um, you know, like I'm sure sexuality and stuff is, is the furthest thing from anybody's mind, right? Like nobody is necessarily thinking about that as a priority if we're just trying to like not be killed. Um, And I'm guessing that some of, you know, this whole Jezebel, um stereotype like a lot of that came from like this same vein of thinking correct absolutely absolutely it's you know we don't want to be jezebel and you know especially at that time the sexuality ideals of the mainstream dominant white folks people in power were like came from this victorian era where it was like chastity is what you need to do you can't enjoy sex especially as a woman and sex is for procreation only it's not something that's supposed to be pleasurable it's not supposed to be something you're supposed to indulge in um so that is really the basis of these ideas and um that we hold now we're like our your little cousin can't be too fast and when you're in church you if you have a skirt on you have to make sure that you have a lap covering um you know those sorts of things yeah so maybe we can kind of get into that like how it has kind of transformed from those things that you know help to keep us safe and Mm -hmm. alive back in the day but now um maybe takes on a very different look in our community can you talk a little bit about what that transformation has looked like Yeah, I think once we moved out of a place where we had like these really acute needs to stay safe in this way, we still held on to this way of survival. Um, And so this is very much a legacy of uh, slavery, a legacy of really hard conditions sexually, specifically for black women. Um, And, you know, and I think, you know, honestly, we're still in some really hard conditions, whether it was going through the Jim Crow era 
or, you know, just the fact that 40% of black women report unwanted sexual contact by the age of 18 were really not necessarily in a safe sexual place. Um, and our society says it's, you know, it's not the person that's the perpetrator who needs to receive treatment and uh, knowledge and education on how not to perpetrate. It's the victim who needs to find ways to not be victimized. Um, and so that's, again, that's where this respectability politics comes through is like, what are things that you can do so someone can't hurt you? Yeah. And I, you know, I've worked a lot with like college students and have done a lot of presentations like around consent um, for college age students. And I'm always really surprised mostly by like how um, still some of the young women have some outdated ideas about like, oh, could you be laying in a bed with somebody, um, maybe kind of kissing and not lead to actual actual intercourse, right? And some of them will say like, well, of course not. Like, why would you be teasing him, so to speak, right? Um, you know, so I definitely feel like there is still a lot more work and conversation that has to be done around, you know, some of this respectability stuff. Absolutely. And you know, what's funny is you said like there's college age women who are having these thoughts. And in my experience, I mean, I think that that perspective kind of runs the age range gamut. Like I think a lot of people are having this thought and then that's where the perpetuation comes in at. It's okay. uh, You shouldn't be laying down with a man if you don't want something to happen to you. And, And that comes from mommy and auntie and grandma and cousin and big sister like all of these messages are coming in um and that's kind of how respectability politics stays alive and continues to impact our sexuality today so what are your thoughts about how we can kind of begin to think differently and kind of break free from some of this especially related to sexuality you know like you mentioned um you know sexuality has not historically been something that we should enjoy and be like indulged in um so how can we begin to think differently about that and you know kind of reclaim that for ourselves so one of the things that um has been like kind of a breakthrough for me and like trying to determine um like from a sexological standpoint what black women can do to like you said reclaim their sexuality is just do you you know whatever feels good you can't you can't rely on society or or mommy or big grandma or whatever to tell you what you can and cannot do, do what feels good for you. And that's so, I think it's a powerful message and I think it's a terrifying message at the same time. Yeah, because what would that even look like? Like even if you wanted to do that, but then like all of your friends are saying like, oh girl, you nasty kind of thing. Um, You know, like how would you even begin to start doing some of that? Yeah, so I have, you know, five steps that I like to think of of reclaiming your sexual self. I think a lot of people are in a very good place sexually. A lot of people are not in a good place sexually. Um, And I think that this can apply to anybody on any one of those sides of the spectrum and anywhere in between. Um, So in terms of what you can do is, one, you can identify what you like. Two, be brave and explore your interests. Three, set boundaries around your desires. Four, find like-minded folks. And five, indulge and enjoy. And I use that word indulge very intentionally. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, but I think that's so important for us as Black women. So can you talk more? I'm not sure where you're planning to talk more about the indulge, but you, I definitely have heard you mention it a couple of times. Um, so can you say a little bit more about like why you are being so intentional with that language? Um, well, for us, I don't think we're allowed or told that we can indulge in anything. 
right? Like we can't indulge in chocolate because we'll get that. Or we can't indulge in like just doing things pleasurable. We can't indulge in a spa day for ourselves because, you know, we have kids to take care of or our partners to take care of or family members to take care of. And we definitely can't indulge in sexuality because we, again, it bumps against the respectability politics because we're not actually supposed to do it. We're not supposed to like it. We're not supposed to talk about it. Uh, and, and so when we think about ways to break free from the constraints of respectability politics, I think really pushing into this place where you're indulging and enjoying and doing the exact opposite of what it tells you to do is really, really important for us to reclaim our sexuality. Um, and I can actually go into each of those five steps a little bit more in detail to help uh, your listeners understand the ways that they can implement that in their lives. Okay, yeah, let's hear that. Okay, so for number one, when you identify what you like, you know, you just have to let your gut be your guide. Um, and, you know, I kind of giggled when I said gut because I'm thinking, well, you can also let something else be your guide. And, <laughs> you know, what feels good for you that, you know, that tells you this is something that I like. Um, so what excites you? What piques your interest? What are things you've seen on TV that you've said, huh, I wonder what that's like? Um, so that's for number one, just kind of identify what you like. And a way to, to get more information is to be brave and explore. Um, and so I say be brave because it really does take courage sometimes to say, hey, I'm going to try this. Or um, I like this thing and it's kind of naughty, but I really want to learn more. I think it's, you know, that does require a certain amount of bravery when we're pushing up against these things that say we shouldn't be. Uh, and Google is also your friend. There's a wide variety of sexual interests and all of the information is out there on the internet. So, you know, some people say, well, I like this thing and I don't know anybody else that likes it or I like this thing and I actually have some shame around it because it's kind of, it feels uh, quote unquote weird, right? Uh, Google it, find out if there's a community, if there's information about it. I guarantee you the thing that you like, someone else is doing it. Um, and then there's, you know, there's fear around stepping outside of what other sides is right or proper. Um, and that fear is real. It's, it's a valid fear to, to say, you know, I don't know if I can do this because we have really strong and pervasive, um, negative stereotypes about our sexuality to contend with. And that's something that I think is very unique to black women. Um, and at times it can feel like a double edged sword, you know, either I do this thing that, I like or I'm interested in sexually and I confirm these stereotypes or I affirm these stereotypes or I get all this pushback or I don't and then part of my sexuality is, is hindered and blocked and I can't be my full sexual selves and limiting ourselves, you know, it doesn't necessarily hurt the people that are judging us. It really just hurts us uh, and also makes life a lot less fun. So have fun, indulge. <laughs> um, for setting boundaries, um, we in the sexological community, community like to say, don't yuck my yum. So if something is yummy to me and I think it's great, don't, don't yuck it. Don't, don't say that. Um, and the boundaries that I'm talking about is not limiting yourself or put, placing boundaries around yourself, but placing boundaries around other people's input on what you like. So um, I was listening to your 
podcast episode on boundaries and you talked about taking care of our front yards. Um, and I think sexuality is also another place where we really have to tend to our front yard and place boundaries around other people's opinions of our sexual selves. Um, so you get to be you, you get to do you mommy, sister, auntie, big mama, cousin, they're always going to have their opinions and you're not necessarily always going to make all of them happy at once. Uh, but you're the only person who is living your life. So when you're thinking about boundary setting, you need to do what works for you. Um, and then also, I'd like to say that should also carry over to the way you interact with other people. Um, just being non-judgmental of the sexual choices of others is something that's really important for us to remember. Um, and Laverne Cox has this really great quote that I like where she said, we shouldn't demonize the woman who wears high heels and we shouldn't demonize the woman who doesn't wear high heels. We should accept all forms of comportment. And that's so important when we're thinking about the way that we engage with ourselves and each other around um, sexuality. So I kind of went through those kind of fast. Do you have any questions about the first three? No, I think you gave us good examples in like a breakdown of like how to do those things for yourself. Okay. So the final two um, are find like-minded folks. Uh, so find your sexual community. You can, again, Google is your friend. You can YouTube, you can go on Facebook groups, um, and then also build a community of women who are open-minded. So um, I've had a couple of projects for school while I'm working on my PhD, and one of the things that I've done is I've hosted workshops with groups of black women where we talk about sexuality. So we talk about sexuality, we process feelings, um, and then we, I lead exercises that um, have just helped to like go a little bit more deeper and more in depth with the topic. Um, and you know, it's a room full of black women ages 18 to over 60 in a judgment-free environment. It's always a good time. Everyone, you know, there's a lot of laughter, there's a lot of fun. And so there's, there are ways that I think this community building can happen for us where we're at. Um, there might be a lot of fear of like talking about things and, you know, I mean, I understand that I kind of have uh, this background to be able to hold like a non-judgmental space, but get a couple of girlfriends together, have a wine night, um, say you're going to talk about sex. So maybe those people who aren't interested in that can decide whether or not they want to participate, say it's a judgment free zone and, you know, just, kind of let loose and have fun and be able to talk and explore and see what other people's interests are. And you'll be really, really surprised um, in what can come up out of those places. And, you know, maybe if you're a little bit more shy or you feel like um, you don't have a group of women that you can get together with like that, um, find a sex therapist or a sex positive therapist um, and kind of get someone that you can explore your sexuality with there, ways that you can see how can I reclaim the things that I really want to do um, in a place that's uh, like professionally judgment free. Um, and I'm also connected with a lot of networks. I'm connected with a lot of great, amazing black women who are therapists. Um, so if your listeners want to give me a shout out, um, I can give you my information at the end so they can do that as well. Um, and I, I do want to make a small disclaimer. Uh, when I say black women, I'm not just talking about women, folks who are born assigned female at birth. Um, I'm talking about women and orphans. Um, 
And so I think it's really important to acknowledge that the expand, like an expanded definition of what black woman is, especially when we're talking about sexuality, um, an expanded definition from what we traditionally or conventionally think of. Um, I meant to say that earlier, but I forgot. <laughs> yeah, that definitely is an important distinction. Um, okay, so the last one is indulge and enjoy. Uh, just give yourself permission. Don't rely on someone else to give you permission. Um, I, again, I'm really intentional with the word indulge. Uh, I think we rarely hear encouragement for anyone but men to indulge in sex. And black women are taught not to indulge in anything. And we deserve to indulge in the pleasures of our bodies. We deserve to indulge in our sensuality. And for black women, I really think indulgence is a form of resistance against oppression. And so it's really important for us to do that for ourselves. So tell me more about um, like some of these spaces. And I think we um, saw some of this with Insecure. Did you get a chance to finish watching the season? You did. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Okay. So a couple of things that we saw this season related to sexuality come up. Um, One of the first ones was um, related to this conversation that Issa and her friends were having at the sexplosion around like black women um, and oral sex. And, you know, like I think my experience had been that that was a bit of an outdated conversation, but I'm also hearing um, that it may not be right. Like that there may still be kind of the, the line of thinking that this is not something that black women engage in. So can you talk to us more about that? Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of had the same thought too. I was like, Whoa, is it like, is it where I'm from? Is it people I know? Cause that sounds really outdated. Um, but I do understand that there are people that, f- that have these really strong ideas about what sex is and what sex isn't. Um, and so, you know, I think she had said like blowjobs are just something that white women do. Um, and then sex isn't just penetration. And I think kind of the underlying argument in that conversation was that sex was just penetration. Um, and then anything else was like, you know, either bad or some white women do, or like just not, you know, something special, quote unquote special that only happens occasionally or rarely. Or, I mean, if that's the way that you want to set up your sexual life, go for it. But I don't think that that's the way that um, we have to set up our sexual lives, you know? blowjobs can be a part of sex every time we have sex um if that works for you right and one of the other ones that I think was like a big storyline this season um was the whole relationship between Molly and uh Dro is that his name Mm -hmm. I forgot now oh yeah Molly and Dro and you know so this whole idea of an open relationship and what that means um and I you know there was a lot of language kind of being thrown around online about you know, side chicks and, you know, what, it, what are the rules around open relationships? And I know that's something else that we wanted to chat about, um, just kind of these ideas of beyond monogamy, right? So can you talk to us more about that? Yeah, so the, the term is non-monogamy, which I think houses a lot of different things, right? It can house polyamory, it can house like having sexual partners, 
or only its sexual partners, and it can look like anything. And actually, last year, there was a study that was published in the um, Journal of Sex and Marital Therapy that found one in five um, people living in the United States have practiced some form of consensual non-monogamy at some point in their life. And this isn't, you know, I think, again, she has said, well, that's just something white folks do. It's not just something that white folks are doing. It's actually something that was true across religion, race, age, education level, and income. Um, and so in terms of how do you, what are the rules and regulations? Again, this is a, it's something that, again, is completely up to the people involved. You can decide that your non-monogamy looks like one person having multiple sexual partners. You can decide it looking like both people having multiple sexual partners. You can decide it looking like having partners that live in the home or um, splitting your time between partners. Uh, it really is what's up to you. Um, and again, we come back to this place of like um, checking in with your gut um, and indulging in what feels good for you. Um, there's many shades of non-monogamy. Um, there's no quote unquote rule. I, have, I guess if there is a rule, it's that um, and there has to be consent from everyone involved and there needs to be open communication. And I actually think Dro did a really good job of modeling this in the season, like, you know, he was checking in with Molly at different points, even when they were having sex, which was amazing. He was like, you know, how is this for you? Are you good? Um, and then when Molly had a reaction to knowing that his wife Candace was going to be at this dinner, he was like, you know, he noticed her reaction and he checked in with her and he asked how she was feeling. So communication is so important. A lot of people think, well, you know, there's going to be this this thing of jealousy that's really going to impact the relationship or destroy the relationship. And for some folks, I mean, jealousy just isn't a thing. Like it's not, you know, they see, they have pleasure from seeing their partner happy. Um, and the, the a term for that is frubble, F-R-U-B-B-L-E. Um, they get frubble. They see their partner happy and it makes them happy and it makes them feel good, even if their partner is going out with someone else. Um, and I, in fact, I just posted on my Facebook page, there was an article about a black couple who had been married for 22 years and they've been open for the past 12 years. And so, you know, black women are really doing this and it's really working in their relationships. Uh, the wife in the article was talking about feeling like a goddess since opening her relationship. So there's ways that this can work. It's you know, I think it is progressive in terms of the, what our current um, conventional, traditional relationship dynamics look like. Um, but I think it also is like going forward to the past um, in the term, in the words of Helen Fisher, where we we were moving towards something that was our that's already been a part of our history. Like these sorts of relationship dynamics was what was going on. Um, in early civilization eras and pre-civilization eras, um, there wasn't just one partner, one pair bond all the time. Sometimes there was multiple and it worked. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of what the um, confusion was, was around like whether Candace actually knew, you know, mm -hmm. so yes, it may have been an open relationship, but did she actually know that mm -hmm. Molly was a partner? You know, like what were the rules around who partners could be? That's so interesting because he, Dro said that Candace knew. He said that, you know, yeah, I talked to her about everything and she knows that I'm seeing you. And so one of the things that when I hear that question, well, did Candace really know is like, well, one, he said that she knew and maybe it's coming from this place of um, 
she could not possibly agree to this type of relationship dynamic. Like this can't possibly be something that she wants to do. Maybe one, because quote unquote, black women don't do that. Or um, because that's your man, girl. How can you, you know, how can you let that happen? That's your man. She's a side chick. Um, and I believe Dro said that she was the one that decided to open their relationship up in the beginning. Like she was the one that said like, we need to have multiple partners where we need to have multiple people. Right. Yeah. He did say it was her that initiated it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me more about like some of these spaces that um, maybe historically we have been and we are kind of, you know, kind of going back to that or other spaces that have been developed that, um, you know, black women may exist in, but we don't, it's kind of like a secret and maybe mm-hmm. like an underground kind of thing, so to speak. Yeah. So when I, when I think about, you know, you, you need spaces and places where we quote unquote aren't supposed to be. I really think a lot about like the poly community and the kink community as well. Uh, and so kink can mean BDSM, kinky, sadomasochistic, dominant and submissive relationships. Um, Okay, so I want to stop you there and see if you can explain that to people who may not be familiar with like that terminology. Hmm, okay. So BDSM or... Let's see. How do I explain it? That's a good question. I should have thought about that. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so wrapped up into this bubble. It's like, I call it the sex bubble. It's like, everyone knows what this is. Um, so let's see. So a dominant and submissive relationship is a relationship between, it's a power dynamic relationship. So there's one person who's the dominant who holds power um, and will... Um, let's see how do I say I guess they'll dominate the person they will um I'm trying to use explain it without using the words in the definition (laughs) Um, it's kind of hard um so they will it's a power relationship where uh one person is quote-unquote in charge and the other person is quote-unquote obedient so one person will set up rules and regulations for the relationship um they will i mean it can look like a number of things in terms of like the types of play that are involved so there might be like um like mommy daddy play or mommy uh, mommy daughter play or daddy son play there might be um there there might be like um sort of like corporal or bodily um, plays involved with like flogging or spanking or um, there, there, there can be arranged in terms of like um, the level of desired pain on the submissive. So the mis- submissive is often receiving and the dominant is often giving. That's a really good way to think about it. So the dominant can either be giving um, demands, the dominant can be giving um, sort of like physical um, punishment, quote unquote punishment. Cause the thing about this is it's all something that the submissive agrees to. And actually the person who holds the most power in the relationship is the submissive. So even though the person who is dominant is, um, is, is um, seems to be in charge is, is wielding the power in on the giving end. The person who is the submissive, submissive controls the entire situation. So they say, these are things I want to happen. These are things I don't want to happen. These are things I'm comfortable with you trying. Um, and if I feel like it doesn't work for me, then I'll say stop or no, or I don't like this. And I'll use my safe word. I think um, the term safe word is more in 
popular culture now, but you know, it really comes from this place of what, what is a phrase or word that I can use in order to stop um, and be safe in this situation that is, um, you know, really quite vulnerable. Um, and the thing is the black women, black folks are on both sides of this. They're, they can be dominants and submissives and black women are actually on both sides of this as well. In terms of the power roles, they're both dominants and submissives and, uh, so power, power relationships can be extremely healing for black women, whether they're on either side of the power dynamic. Um, so there's a lot of um, misinformation about people who engage in um, BDSM or kink relationships, either having a mental illness or like having sexual trauma. And that's just, that is literally not true. There's people in all sorts of communities who have mental illness and have sexual trauma, um, but just because you're involved in kink doesn't mean that that is the root of this sexual um, involvement. And there's actually a lot of research that shows um, that folks who are involved in the kinky community are either, you know, there's no... Um, correlation between sexual assault and kink involvement. There's no correlation between um, mental illness and kink involvement outside of what is found in any community. And so is this another one of those examples where you would say um, like Google would be a good place to start? Like if you're thinking about getting involved in the kink community, like how would you even find this? Like what would be some steps to kind of, um, you know, kind of familiarize yourself with this? Yes. I mean, I would say start with Google because these are very um, vulnerable places and spaces, you know, for some of the things that folks are engaging in, the law is not necessarily um, open to some of the sexual preferences of people. And so something that consensually between two people can be really pleasurable, the law might uh, interpret as like abuse or like and we, when we're talking, you know, people have lost their children because they've been involved in kicking. So it's a while it's a community that's open, it's a community that needs to stay safe. Um, and so there are definitely places and spaces to find out more. But um, I would encourage everyone to do their own research. Google's a great place to start. Um, and kind of make their way to that community because um, I wouldn't want to expose it on such a, um, a wide scale um, audience to, um, to, to risk because there are risks for being involved in kink community and not the risks between the uh, people involved, but risks in terms of the outside, again, kind of policing what's going on in, in people's individual lives. So do you have like some favorite websites or books or, um, you know, other resources that you could point people to to kind of get more information about like a variety of the things you suggested today? Yes, there's actually a really good podcast. Um, it's called Black People Kink. Um, and they, uh, I mean, it's a, it's conversations between a dominant and a, and his submissive. Um, and so that, I think if you're interested in kink and the ways that it looks for black people, I think that's a really good place to kind of hear from the people who are involved and they're also, um, sex educators. So you can get really good and accurate information from them. Um, there's a book that I love and you know, it's, it's been around for a really long time. It's by Alice Walker and, um, it, I think it was written in the 70s. Uh, and it's just a really good book for 
thinking about ways that we can push against respectability politics. It's called You Can't Keep a Good Woman Down. Um, and there's several short stories with black female characters, but one of the, some things are about sexuality and some are not, but there's definitely this pushing that's going on and like going outside of what's supposed to happen uh, very specifically in the, um, the stories about sexuality. And so I think that's a really good place for folks to start when like, well, I'm not ready to completely jump into all of this stuff, but I might want to see what it could possibly look like. Um, that's a good place to start. Um, and I, you know, I have a, a Facebook group where I share a lot of um, sexuality related articles, um, specifically, I like to share stuff specifically for people of color and the black community and black women. Um, and so that's a really good place where you can, you know, I, I think I posted an article a while ago on a black dom and like what it was for her to be a dominatrix. And so that is, um, I'll actually repost it up at the top so it's more recent for anyone that wants to check that out. Um, so I think those are really important resources. Um, and then I, you know, I encourage people, if you want to know more, you know, um, ASECT is the American Association of Sexual Educators, Counselors, and Therapists. It's A-A-S-E-C-T. Um, and they have, uh, a directory where you can find local sex therapists or local sex educators. Uh, you know, if you want to host a girls night and have someone come out and talk to you guys, that's a place that you can do. Um, and then I specifically, I mean, I, I think it would be wonderful if we can get a directory specifically of um, black folks. Um, I think that they're within the academic community, there's places for academics, but um, you know, there are, you know, there are a lot of sex um, educators and sex therapists who are black women. Um, and so being able to rely on them as a resource too. Um, if anyone's interested, I know people uh, in St. Louis and Philadelphia and DC and LA. And so um, depending on where you are, I can definitely um, link people up with someone in their local area if that's something they're interested in. Cool. That sounds great. And I know a lot of your work is centered around like helping women to boost their self, their sexual self-confidence. And I know you have like a 21 day affirmation challenge. Can you tell us more about that and where we can find it? Yeah, perfect. So, you know, if you, you, if you like what we discussed here and feel like it can be the beginning of a new sexual you, or you feel you need a little boosting your confidence before moving into the quote unquote be brave and explore phase. Um, you know, I'd like to offer a free gift to increase your sexual confidence. So if you text sexual confidence to 44222, you will receive a 21-day affirmation guide geared towards increasing your sexual confidence. So sexual confidence is S-E-X-U-A-L-C-O-N-F-I-D-E-N-C-E to the number 44222. Um, you can also access the affirmation guide through my website. Um, and this freebie provides daily affirmation for 21 days. And 21 days is what research shows, how long it shows to create a habit. Um, and the affirmations are designed to help you feel empowered, validated, encouraged about your sexual self. And then when you sign up, you'll also receive a quarterly newsletter from me with popular blog posts or social media snapshots and information about any upcoming workshops or therapy groups I might be hosting. Um, and then I'm also, I'm, I really like my Facebook 
group just because there's so much information on Facebook and I find it's a place that I get to curate the information that I'm providing. So I'm always posting cool articles about sexuality and mental health on my Facebook page as well. Perfect. And if you're driving, no worries. All of this information will be included in the show notes and you will have the um, number to text and all the website information and stuff as well. So can you tell us where we can find you online, either your website or any social media handles you'd like to share? So my website is www.doorwaytherapeutics.com. Um, and then all of my social media, I'm on Facebook, I'm on um, Instagram, and I'm on Pinterest in all of my social media. You can find me either by searching Doorway Therapeutics or um, at Doorway Therapeutics. And um, the Pinterest is really interesting in terms of like looking for more because it's a, I have different boards geared towards different um sexuality topics so there's a board if you're interested in learning more about kink there's a board if you're if you're partnered whether with one person or multiple people and just want to know more about how you can increase like romance and feeling good there's a board that has a little bit more sexually explicit stuff on it not necessarily images sometimes there are images um but you know just places where you can get ideas and and like really kind of indulge in black sexuality Perfect. That sounds like a great resource for people. Well, thank you so much for sharing your information with us today, Courtney. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I hope that you enjoyed today's conversation with Courtney. And please make sure to check out all of the amazing resources that she shared, including her 21-day affirmation challenge to boost your sexual self-confidence. You can find all of this information in the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 29. As always, if you are looking for a therapist in your area, make sure to check out the directory. You can find that at therapyforblackgirls.com backslash directory. And if you are a therapist and want to include your information in the therapist directory, you can find that at therapyforblackgirls.com backslash being listed. If you're interested in joining our Facebook community, make sure to visit therapyforblackgirls.com backslash tribe. And please let us know your thoughts about the show. Make sure to use the hashtag TBG in session. You can find us on Twitter at therapy for the number four B girls. And you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at therapy for black girls. And please share this episode with one of your friends who hasn't heard the podcast before. I'm looking forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care.